We're going to be learning in Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi, the first piece in Hilchus Eidos. This is Parak Gimel Halacha Dalid. And this is a very fundamental piece where Rab Chaim discusses the essence of what's considered a shtar. He's trying to explain the view of the Rambam that all shtaros, all documents with witnesses signed on them, only work Midra Banan. But according to Torah law, they are ineffective because the testimony is disqualified because it's not live testimony, it's written testimony. So Rab Chaim is going to explain the approach of the Rambam and try to get into the essence of what makes something a star. Now, there's a little bit of history that's important to this piece and the next few pieces. In the book, The Rav by Aaron Rakefet, which quotes some historical traditions from Rabbi Yosef Dov Salavechik, Rab Chaim's oldest grandson. So he tells that there were three areas that Rab Chaim felt were his real specialty. Even though, as we've seen throughout this Sefer, obviously Rab Chaim had unbelievable insight and grasp of all areas of halacha, but there were three areas of halacha that he felt particularly competent, a particular expertise in. And they were Tomas Mace, the laws of a dead body, Ohalos, the laws of a dead body in a room, and Staros documents. So regarding the first two areas, we've seen a tremendous amount of Rab Chaim's ideas and insights about that in Hilchus Tumas Mace. There were very long pieces and there were many pieces. In fact, that was the biggest section of the Sefer. So we've gone through some of Rab Chaim's major pieces on the first two areas of his expertise. But now the next few pieces are going to deal with his last area of major expertise, which is Staros. So those are going to be the first few pieces in Hilchus Eidos, and Rab Chaim's already touched on some of these themes in earlier pieces in Hilchus Ishos, Hilchus Gerushin, where he was talking about documents of marriage and divorce. So some of these themes Rab Chaim's already touched on in earlier pieces, but the next few pieces, and especially the next two, are going to be very long, but they're going to be very fundamental and discuss one of Rab Chaim's major areas of expertise, for which he's still known to have provided some of the most powerful insights in how to understand Stand Staros. The Rambam writes, Din Torah she'ein mekablin edus lo b'dinei mamanos lo b'dinei nefashos ela mipiha edim. The law of the Torah is that you cannot accept testimony not in financial cases and not in capital cases in neither case unless it comes directly from the mouth of the witnesses. Shenemar al pishnaim edim because the Torah says based on the mouth of two witnesses mipihem velo miksav yadan. So the rabbis learn from there it has to come from their mouth directly and not from their writing. So if witnesses write down testimony and send it into the court, that is not acceptable because the testimony has to come directly from their mouth. But there is a rabbinic rule that you can use a document in financial cases. So the Rambam's bothered, how do we have a concept of a shtar, a document which records testimony in it? If the Torah said, that the witnesses have to testify orally to what happened, they can't write down what happened. So how does any document work to tell us what happened in a financial case. So how can the witnesses record in a document that Ruvain lent Shimon $100 when that's testimony that doesn't come directly 
from them, it comes from their writing. So how does any star work? And we have extensive discussion of staros, of documents that regulate financial law. So the Rambam answers that it's all drabanan. According to the Torah, no star works. The rabbis created the concept of a document that a witness could record their testimony on paper when it comes to financial cases. So the Ramban in the Sefer HaMitzvot Shoresh Beis asks on the Rambam, what about a get? which works to end a marriage even though it's a document. So that's not a financial case and it's clearly not drabanan because the Torah said that a get can end the marriage. Now, even though when a get is given, there are witnesses who watch it being given. So those are not witnesses that are signed on the get. But the Ramban says that if a woman comes to court and brings a get, and there are witnesses signed on it, and we can verify their signatures, so we believe her that her marriage ended. So this is a clear case where we believe the testimony of witnesses that's written in a document, even according to the Torah. So that seems to contradict the Rambam's whole theory that the concept of a star is only drabanan to begin with. Here we have a star, which is Doraisa. So Rab Chaim explains that the Ramban's question on the Rambam is really divided into two different parts. So there's two aspects to this question. The first is that a document is able to create a kiddushin, a marriage, or a gerushin, a divorce. A document alone is able to do that if someone has a document to that effect and it's signed. So now there's either a marriage or a divorce. But the halacha is that a marriage or a divorce cannot be affected without witnesses. So where are the witnesses in this case? It's obviously the witnesses that are signed on the document. So we see very clearly that witnesses signed on a document have Torah level status. Now, even though this is a debate between Reb Meir and Reb Lezer, a very wide ranging debate, whether the key witnesses are the ones that sign on the document, so Ede Chasima Karte, or the key witnesses are the ones who witness the giving of the document to the woman, Ede Mesira Karte. So according to Reb Lezer's view that the Ede Mesira are the main thing, so this is not a question, because in fact, the witnesses on the document are not Torah level witnesses. But according to Reb Meir, we do have a question, because because he's saying that the witnesses signed on the document are the main witnesses, and that's clearly on a Torah level. So that goes against the Rambam's idea that witnesses on a star is only drabanan. And it's even more problematic because the Rambam himself in Hilchus Gerush and Aleph Test Zion writes, if he signed two witnesses on the get and then gave it to her without any other witnesses seeing it. So that's a valid gerushin. Because there were valid witnesses signed on the get, which he then gave to her. So the Rambam rules that if there are only Ede Chasima, witnesses signed on the get, without Ede Mesira, no witnesses who saw the get, that's still a valid get, even according to Reb Lezer, because the halacha follows Reb Lezer. So the Rambam holds like the approach that understands that Reb Lezer does not say only Ede Mesira work, he means even Ede Mesira work. So he agrees that the Ede Chasima, the witnesses on the get alone could work. And he's adding that even the Ede Mesira alone would work. And that's the part Reb Meir disagrees with him about. So the Rambam holds that according to everyone, not only Reb Meir, but even Reb Lezer, who the Halacha follows, the Ede Chasima alone could create the get. 
So this is certainly now a question on the Rambam. How can he hold that the whole concept of a document is only drabanan when there is a concept of a get with only Ede Hasima, which is Doraisa? So that's all the first question of the Ramban. On the Rambam, how can you say that all documents are only drabanan when a get is Doraisa? The second question on the Rambam is not how does a get create the Gerushin, the divorce, but what happens if six months later or a year after the divorce, so it's all over and done with. And let's say there were witnesses who witnessed the divorce at the time that it happened. But now we need some proof from the woman that she is divorced because for the last 10 years, we've known that she was married. So somehow she has to prove in court that now she's no longer married and that requires valid testimony. Any case like that is going to require full valid testimony of two witnesses. So now the halacha is that the woman can take out her get and verify the signatures and that is her testimony that she was actually divorced. So now the get is working as a testimony. It's not creating the gerushin that was already created a few months ago, but now this get is proving what happened. So that's full testimony and still the document works on a Torah level. So that's the Ramban's second point against the Rambam. Not only does the get create the gerushin, but it also testifies to that effect forevermore. And that's a Torah testimony, even though it's not directly from the witnesses, it's what they wrote and signed in the get. So that's the second question on the Rambam. So at first, Rab Chaim proposes that maybe we could answer the first question based on a distinction between testimony versus witnessing. So when the Torah said that Mipik Savam, written testimony is not good, that only refers to testimony. If the witnesses need to testify to something, that cannot be done in written form. But if we don't need testimony, we just need witnesses. So there the Torah never said, that me peak savam if it's written it's disqualified so that's why the rambam holds even though the witnesses cannot write down their testimony and send it in and that applies to every document that applies only when they're testifying about something that already happened but the halacha that we require witnesses to create the marriage or the divorce that has nothing to do with testifying they don't need to say anything they just need to see what happens so there even their signatures even if they write it down, it's sufficient. So that's why the get affects a gerushin, even on a Torah level, even though they signed and they weren't present, because there there's no testimony that's required. We just need witnesses, and that they could do, me peak savam, through their signatures. So that would answer the first part of the Ramban's question, but obviously it doesn't answer the second part of the question, because there, it's a few months after the divorce, and the get and the signatures on the get are now used as testimony, as evidence to what happened. So that's classic testimony and still it works even though it's signatures that are written down and it's not live. So we're still stuck with that question. But then Rab Chaim says that this won't even answer the first question really. Because when witnesses sign on a get or a star kiddushin, so in fact they know nothing about the actual divorce or the marriage. They're not even there when that happens. They sign and then the document is used for the Gerushin or the Kiddushin, but they don't even know about that subsequent step. So what exactly are they testifying about when they sign on the document? So Rab Chaim says there's one of two options. Either they're giving valid testimony 
as to the fact that the Gerushin and the Kiddushin happened, because since there is a get or a star Kiddushin, which is then going to be given to the woman, so she has valid evidence about the marriage or the divorce. So the signatures are valid testimony, even though they actually never witnessed the actual marriage or divorce. So ironically, they're able to testify about it in a roundabout way without knowing anything about the actual event itself. Or alternatively, they're only testifying about the star itself. So they're saying nothing about the actual divorce or the marriage. They're only testifying that this document, the get or the star kiddushin, was prepared properly with signatures. And now that is sufficient that now this document can be used to create a marriage or a divorce. But how does that work? How does a document with witnesses who know nothing about the actual marriage or divorce create a marriage or a divorce? So Rab Chaim says it must be that that is the law of the Torah that a star is able to create a gerushin or a kiddushin and the way to make a star is to have the witnesses sign on it. So even though the witnesses themselves don't witness the gerushin or the kiddushin, but since they made this a valid star, so that star is able to affect gerushin or kiddushin. But says Rab Chaim, that is all predicated on the idea that the witnesses are doing something. If they're not able to give testimony within this star, so then their signatures are the equivalent equivalent of two random scribbles on a piece of paper, so that's not going to affect anything. The fact that this piece of paper goes from being random paper with signatures on it to being considered a star means that the witnesses must be testifying to something. Now, as we know, they didn't witness the actual Gerushin or the Kiddushin, so they're giving testimony. So from the fact that this document becomes a star, we see very clearly that when the witnesses sign on it, they are able to give some form of testimony, even though it's written, it's not live. So that now contradicts the Rambam who holds that on a Torah level, no testimony can be given in a written form. It all has to be given live. So now we're back to the first question as well. How does this star create a marriage or a divorce when the witnesses who signed on it did nothing? Their testimony is totally disqualified. So their signatures are just random scribbling. How did this now become a star that's able to create a Gerushin or a Kiddushin? And furthermore, says Rab Chaim, based on this logic that he's now shown that the idea of signatures on a star is that their testimony creates a star. So now we're back to the stronger question on the Rambam. How does he hold that Ede Hasima alone are able to create a star? The Rambam holds that if there's either witnesses who signed on the star alone, or if there's witnesses who witnessed the giving of the star without signature Adim, so either one of those alone creates an effective star. But how's that going to work? The Gemara in Ksubis Yerchesamud Beis explains that the essential concept of a star is Adim Achasuman al Ashtar when witnesses sign on a star, it's as if they verified their testimony in court. So it's as if they got up and delivered that testimony in court. So that obviously implies that the witnesses who create the star are giving full-fledged testimony. And the Rambam said that even Ede Hasima, witnesses who signed alone without witnesses who witnessed the giving of the star, without Ede Mesira, is still a valid star. But how could that be? Because the Rambam holds that when they sign on the star, it's totally invalid testimony. They cannot give testimony mipik savam. So if it's invalid, 
valid testimony, then what makes this piece of paper from a random piece of paper with scribbling signatures on it into a star? And yet the Rambam clearly holds that even in that case where there's signatures on the document, that makes it a fully-fledged star. So we're left with very strong questions on the Rambam. How does a get work to create the divorce? How does a get provide evidence of the divorce afterwards? And how does a star become a star when the witnesses who signed on it are giving invalid testimony through their signatures? So what makes this piece of paper into a star? So Rabbi Chaim answers all of this with a very important conceptual formulation of what is a star according to the Rambam. Once we understand the essence of what it is that a star is, then we're going to understand the view of the Rambam. So Rab Chaim explains that when the Gemara in Gitan Ayin Aleph says that testimony that's written is invalid because the Torah said that the witnesses have to testify in person, they can't write it in. So that actually has nothing to do with the star. It's understood that there are two totally different concepts here. One is testimony. So if witnesses know something and they want to testify about it, they have to go to the court and stand up and give their testimony. If they write a letter with what they know happened, that's not valid testimony. So that's the clear halacha in the Gemara, that testimony cannot be delivered in writing. It must be given in person. Now, the concept of shtar is a totally different idea. It's not in any way contradicted by that halacha in the Gemara because a star is not the witnesses writing down their testimony it itself is an official document so it's like the difference between someone writing a letter to the bank asking for a loan versus filling out the actual paperwork to get a loan one is an official document and one is just a little memoir of their story so the witnesses cannot provide testimony in a written form but if they sign an official document like a star so then that's certainly works. So that's understood that there is no real contradiction between the halacha of mipiyam v'lomipik savam and the concept of shtar. So what then is the Rambam bothered with to begin with? The Rambam's the one who asked this question and because of that he said that a shtar is only drabanan. But what's the question to begin with? So Rab Chaim explains that the Rambam makes a basic distinction between two different types of shtaros. There are different types of documents. One type is a shtar that it itself creates some sort of action. So a marriage or a divorce star or freeing a slave or selling something. All of these are documents where the document itself is creating the transaction, changing the status or doing the process. So the document itself is playing the major role. The Rambam holds that that is the classic star of the Torah. But then there's another type of star, and that is where the process happened on its own. So let's say Ruvain loans Shimon $100. It doesn't matter whether there's a document or not. Either way, he loaned him the $100 regardless of whether anyone saw it or whether there's any star about it. So the star in that case is not doing anything. It's just testifying. It's providing evidence as to what happened independent of the star. So that type of document the Rambam holds is not a real star under Torah law. When the Torah says that a star is effective, it means only a star that itself creates something. But a star that only provides proof as to something that happened, so that's not a full-fledged star. That, according to the Rambam, is the parallel of the witnesses writing in their testimony. 
So that's why the Rambam asked the question, once we see that witnesses are not able to provide testimony in written form, so how are they able to sign on a star which documents something that happened even though it's not a full-fledged star under Torah law? So the Rambam answered, that type of star is only Drabanan. Now, Rab Chaim adds, there are a number of major approaches within the Rishonim to answer this question. What is the difference between a star versus written testimony? So one of the important answers is that a star has dasa mischayev. The person who's going to lose something through this star agrees to it being written. So that also answers the question. Even though the testimony is not allowed to be written, but here the person is agreeing to the writing of the star, so that gives the star power because the person losing out agreed to it. So why didn't the Rambam answer like that? So Rab Chaim explains, even though the Rambam agrees with the other views that there needs to be dasa mischayev, the person losing out through the star has to agree to it, but even so, the Rambam holds that doesn't make it a star. Let's say just because the borrower agreed to the writing of this star that he owes the lender money, but that doesn't turn it into a valid star, mida oraisa. So the Rambam holds that we still have the issue. How can we rely on the testimony in this star if it's not an actual star, it's just the witnesses writing their testimony. So that's why the Rambam answers, we have to say that such a star is only drabanan. But the whole view of the Rambam is limited only to those category of documents that document and give evidence for something that happened. So let's say on a loan or on a transaction that was done without the star, it was done through money or some sort of other Kenyan, and then they wrote a star on that. So those types of stars, the Rambam holds, are only drabanan. But a star that creates a transaction or that creates a marriage or divorce, such a star, even the Rambam agrees, is doraisa because it's a totally different concept than testimony of the witnesses. It has nothing to do with the witnesses testifying about what they saw. The witnesses who sign on that document are creating the whole process of what's about to happen. So that's a full-fledged star under Torah law, and that the Rambam also agrees is a Doraisa star. So that answers the Ramban's question from a get, because since that's a star that creates the divorce, so even the Rambam agrees that that works under Torah law. The Rambam was only talking about the other category of staros, documents which provide evidence to something that happened. So that explains the logic behind the view of the Rambam and answers the Ramban's question from get. So now, Rab Chaim uses this approach to answer a Another question. The Gemara in Sanhedrin Lamed Beis is discussing whether Dine Mamanos financial cases require Drisha Vechakira. So that refers to when the court really asks a lot of questions of the witnesses to make sure they're not lying. So obviously in a capital case, the witnesses have to be examined from every angle to make sure that they're not lying. But in a financial case, which is more light, so do we need to do such a thorough examination? So the Gemara says if you do require a thorough examination for financial cases. So what about the Mishnah that says, A star about a loan which is predated. So the loan happened on Tuesday and the star says that it happened on Monday. So that's an invalid star. But if it's post-dated, so the star says that it happened on Wednesday, that's a valid star. Because the problem is that the lender is going to be able to collect from the borrower's 
buyers, meaning his lien begins on whatever date it says in the star. So if it's predated, that means his lien is improperly starting a day earlier and he might collect from buyers who bought the property before he loaned the money. So that would be incorrect. But if it's post dated, so then it's not going to include any buyers that it shouldn't. So that's a valid star. But the Gemara asks, if you need Drisha V'chakira, so why is a post-dated star valid? Because even if there's no issues in the lien, but the thorough examination is going to invalidate the star because this star has the wrong date on it. So the Gemara answers, Rab Hanina said that Dvar Torah According to Torah law, both financial cases and capital cases require thorough examination because the Torah says Mishpat Echad that it's one judgment. So all of these cases have to function similarly. They all require a thorough examination. But the rabbis said that Dine Mamanos do not require Drisha V'chakira, so that it shouldn't be difficult for borrowers to find lenders. There's always an issue that if the financial laws are too strict and they're invalidating too many documents, so people are going to get worried about lending out money because they're going to worry that they're going to lose the ability to collect it, which will make it very hard for the borrowers to find money to borrow. So the rabbis are concerned about that. So they removed the rule that you require thorough examination for Dine Mamanos. So that's how the Gemara in Sanhedrin presents the issue. But the question is that the Mishnah in Gitin Peivav says, Get Shein Bozman in Nisis Havlad Kasher. If a get was missing the date, which was incorrect, it should have had the date, but if it was missing the date and then a woman got divorced with that get and then she remarried and had a baby, so that second child is a kosher child, so we consider this a valid get and a valid divorce. Now, the Gemara in Sanhedrin just said that if you can't verify the date of a document, so then it's invalid under Torah law, and the rabbis said that it's valid. Now the Gemara in Gitin is saying that a get, which is certainly a Torah document, the rabbis cannot create a get which ends a marriage. Only the Torah can do that. So this is a Torah document without a date. So according to the Gemara in Sanhedrin, it should be invalid. And yet the Gemara in Gitin says that it works. So how can the Gemara say that a get without a valid date is a valid get when it's a Torah document and there's no way to verify it and to do an examination? So then Muke Yosef already asks this question and he gives a radical answer. He explains that there's something called afkinu rabban on the kedushin minei. The rabbis can uproot a marriage. They cannot end a valid marriage in the middle, but they can uproot it to begin with and say that there was no marriage to begin with. So that's what the rabbis did in the case of a get without a date, even though on a Torah level, it is not a valid get, it's not a valid document, like the Gemara in Sanhedrin says, but even so, the rabbis uprooted the whole marriage, so the first marriage is as if it never happened. So that's why when she gets remarried and has a child, that child is not disqualified, not because the get was a good get, but because the first marriage was uprooted as if it had never happened. 
So that's how the Namuke Yosef explains how these two Gemaras fit together. But says Rab Chaim, there's still a problem. Because the Gemara in Gitin Yud Zayin explains why is there even a date on the get to begin with? Who cares what date this divorce happened on? Once she has a get, so we know that from that point on she's divorced. So why do we even need a date to begin with? So there's two views. Either because of Basa Choso, in a case where a woman commits adultery, but if the husband still feels affectionate towards her, he still wants to save her life, so he could do so by predating the get. So let's say it's July, and he finds out that his wife committed adultery on June 1st, and he predates the get to May 1st. So that will improperly save her life, even though she was not divorced on June 1st, but it will look like she was. So as a result of that, they said that he has to put a valid date on the get. The other explanation is Mishum Piri. The husband gets to use parts of the dowry up until they get divorced, and any gains of the dowry will belong to the husband. So that ends whenever they get divorced. So let's say they get divorced on June 1st, but the husband puts a date in the get that it happened in July, so then it looks like he gets to use the dowry the whole June. So that's why they instituted that he has to put a valid date in the get so we know when he lost the use of the dowry. So from these two explanations in the Gemara, it's clear that the date in a get is only Jarabanan to begin with. The rabbis instituted the need for putting a date. But on a Torah level, there is no need to date the get. Says Rab Chaim, how could that be? Because according to the Gemara in Sanhedrin, we require a date in order to do an examination of any Deoraisa star. And a get is a Deoraisa star. So it should need a date on a Deoraisa level, not only Midrabanan. And furthermore, it's difficult because the Gemara says that a star shikhrur, a document that frees a slave, does not require a date. But again, this is a Deoraisa star, and the Gemara in Sanhedrin said that Deoraisa star requires a date in order to do the examination. So why does the freeing document not require a date? So now Rab Chaim has an interesting little tangent. Could we apply the answer of the Nemuke Yosef to the Shtar Shichrur of the slave? The Nemuke Yosef said that if the get is done improperly, so the rabbis got rid of the whole marriage to begin with. So could we say the same thing in the case of a slave, that even though there's no date on the Shtar Shichrur, the rabbis freed the slave? So Rab Chaim argues that the concept of Afkinu Rabbanan, that the rabbis stepped in and freed the slave, cannot be. Because either the rabbis are saying that the slave is free right now, not that to begin with he was never a slave, but right now he goes free, and that they're able to do. Even though they can't end a marriage in the middle of the marriage, only the Torah can do that, but they could free a slave because that's a financial issue, and the rabbis have discretion over all financial laws. So they could say this slave who's been a slave for the last 10 years is now free, he's ownerless, and that would work, but says Rab Chaim, you won't gain anything by that. Because even if someone is mafgir avdo, they make their slave ownerless. So they didn't free them. They just make them ownerless, that they have no financial rights to them. They still need a valid shtar shichror. Because there's two elements to a slave. There's the financial part, and there's also the ritual part. So this person still has the status of a slave, even if their owner does not own them financially. So they still need a star in order to be freed and become a free person. So even if the rabbi 
guys say this slave is now ownerless, he still requires a valid star. So it's not even going to help because even though he's now ownerless, but the star has no date and it's an invalid star on a Torah level. Now, if the rabbis were to try to say that this person was never a slave to begin with, so they uproot the entire slavery. So when the owner paid the money originally to own the slave, the rabbis are making that money ownerless. So he never acquired him to begin with. Says Rab Chaim, that's also not going to work. Even though it's true that he wouldn't need a star shikhrer at that point, but he also didn't convert. Because the conversion process includes the convert accepting to follow the mitzvahs. Now, a slave follows less mitzvahs than a free Jew. So when this person accepted the mitzvahs, he only accepted the mitzvahs of a slave, not all 613 mitzvahs. So if it turns out that he was never a slave, then it also turns out that his acceptance of mitzvahs was invalid. So he never actually converted. And in addition to that, he never converted with the intention of becoming a Jew. He converted with the intention of becoming a Jew's slave. So if it turns out that he was not a slave, so then there was no intention to convert at all. So if we get rid of the whole slavery, then it's also going to turn out that he does not become a freed Jew at this point. But the Gemara in Yevamos Memches describes what happens when the slave is freed. So the Gemara says that we don't need his agreement to become a full-fledged Jew. We can force him to go to the mikvah and become a full Jew. And many Rishonim explain that that second going to the mikvah is only Jarabanan, meaning he's basically a full Jew from the time he became a slave. And once he's freed, he automatically becomes a freed Jew, except the rabbi said that he should go to the mikvah to mark this momentous change in status. So the Gemara is basically saying that once this slave is freed, he automatically becomes a Jew. There is a requirement to go to the mikvah, but that might only be rabbinic. On a Torah level, he immediately becomes a Jew. Now, if we're going to say that if he got a star shikhr without a date on it, that is not a valid Torah freedom. It's only Midrabanan because they uprooted the entire slavery to begin with. So he was never a slave. So then he's not going to automatically become a Jew by being freed. So the fact that the Gemara says that he automatically becomes a Jew by being freed indicates that the Shtar Shikhr is a valid freedom even on a Torah level, even though it's missing a date. So basically, Rab Chaim saying that it's not possible to apply the concept of Afkinhu Rabbanan to the freedom of a slave. So now we're back to the two questions. First of all, why does the Gemara explain that the date on the get is only Drabanan, not the Oraisa? And second of all, why does a Shtar Shikhr of a slave not require a date at all, even though it's also a document Mida Oraisa. And Rab Chaim says that there are other examples of this, of laws of testimony, which don't apply to Shtaros. Like the Mishnah in Gitin says that you can sign a get at night, even though you can't give testimony at night. So now this is the same question. If we require a valid star, Mida Oraisa, why does it not have to follow the rules of testimony, Mida Oraisa, like that testimony cannot be given at night? So how do we understand the difference between these Gemaras? The Gemara in Sanhedrin believes that a star has to follow the rules of Eidos, Mida Oraisa, whereas the Gemara in Gitin in a few places seems to indicate that it does not. So to answer this, Rab Chaim formulates a very important conception 
conceptual idea as to the essence of a star, which is when the Gemara said Witnesses signed on a star is as if they delivered their testimony in court. So what that means is that a star is an exception to the whole rules of delivering testimony in court. That's the whole concept that the Gemara is trying to explain that ordinarily the witnesses have to go to court and give their testimony and there's all sorts of rules that define how that testimony needs to be given. When it can be given, how the court examines them, there's all sorts of rules regarding that testimony. But all of those rules are suspended when it comes to a star because it's as if the witnesses automatically delivered their testimony in court. And that's, of course, the way it works because the witnesses do not go to court. Witnesses who sign on a star do not need to then go deliver their testimony in court. That's it. They can go away and the star speaks for them. Now, the whole concept of testimony is that the witnesses deliver testimony in the court and they're not doing that in the case of star. So it's obvious that a star is a major exception to the overall rules of delivering testimony. And just like the witnesses on a star get out of the main rule of witnesses that they have to go to court, so the other rules also don't apply. They don't have to be examined. They can sign at night. All of the rules of testimony are suspended when it comes to a star. So there are two different tracks of delivering testimony. One is the regular one where the witnesses go to court and give their testimony. Testimony, and that has all sorts of detailed rules. And then there's a second entirely different track of a star where the witnesses signing on the document is as if they were immediately verified and delivered their testimony in court. The star is going to speak on their behalf. So all the rules of testimony are suspended in the case of a star. So that explains why the Gemara in Gittin says that you don't have to examine the star. It doesn't need a date. It can be signed at night because there are no rules regarding the testimony of the witnesses signed on the star. But if so, so why does the Gemara in Sanhedrin imply that the witnesses on a document do need to be examined in line with how regular witnesses would be treated? Says Rab Chaim, applying his distinction within the Rambam that the Gemara in Sanhedrin is talking about documents on a loan. So that's a star raya. It's an evidence star. It's not doing anything like a get or a star shichur. It's not creating something. It's proving, it's giving evidence as to a loan that happened. So that type of star the Rambam holds is not a full-fledged star. So that's why the Gemara says that a star that provides proof does need to follow the rules of testimony because since it's not an actual star, the rules are not suspended in the case of that document. When it comes to a get or a star shichur, where as Rab Chaim explained, the Rambam holds that that's a full-fledged star, so the testimony is a totally different type than regular testimony, so those witnesses who sign on a get or a star shichur do not need to go to court. So none of the other rules of delivering testimony apply to that star. So that's why it's not examined and it doesn't need a date and it can be signed at night. As opposed to a star that provides evidence, which is the case in the Gemara in Sanhedrin, so that is actual testimony because it's not a star. It only works midrabanan according to the Rambam because it's testimony that's written. But even so, once it's testimony, so then it has to meet the rules of testimony. So it has to be examined. So that's why the Gemara says that 
that it has to have a valid date, if not for the fact that the rabbis stepped in and made it more lenient. But if not for that, we would follow the rules of the Torah that it has to have a valid date in order for it to be examined. So that explains the difference between the Gemara in Sanhedrin and the Gemara in Gitin. It's echoing the same distinction that Rab Chaim made within the Rambam between an evidentiary star versus a star that creates something. So according to Rab Chaim's explanation of the Gemara, we learn that when the Gemara describes a shtar as as if the testimony was verified in court, so what the Gemara really means to teach is that when witnesses sign on a shtar, all the normal rules of delivering testimony are suspended. So that's the unique power of a shtar, that the normal rules that determine what testimony is valid do not apply in the case of a shtar, which follows its own track as to what testimony is considered valid. But that only applies to Ashtar Kinyan, a document which is creating something like a get or a star shikhr, but it does not apply to Ashtar Raya, a document which is just proving something that happened in the past. So based on that, that explains the Rambam's approach to this halacha, that the disqualification of Mipik Savam, written testimony, does not apply to Ashtar because none of the rules apply to Ashtar. So that's why Ashtar, even though it's written is a fully valid form of testimony because all the rules are suspended. But that only applies to a star Kenyan, a real star which is creating something. A star Raya, which is just proving something that happened in the past, does not follow that rule. So there, Mipik Savam is a disqualification. So that's what the Rambam is asking. How can you ever have a star Raya, a star which is evidence? Why is there no disqualification of Mipik Savam? And the answer answer to that is that a shtaraya is only drabanan. So all of this proves Rab Chaim's overall approach to understanding the Rambam, and it answers the question from the Ramban the way Rab Chaim said, because none of what the Rambam is saying applies to a get, which is a shtar kinyan. It does something, so there, even on a Torah level, that's a valid shtar. It's not that it meets all the rules of testimony. Obviously, it doesn't because it's written and the witnesses didn't go to court, but it follows its own track of a shtar, which is its own form of valid testimony according to the Torah, as the Gemara explains, it's as if the testimony in the Shtar was accepted in court. But now Rab Chaim asks on this approach that it seems to be combining different elements of testimony which don't necessarily belong in the same group. So Rab Chaim is saying that a star does not require the normal details of testimony. So that could explain why it could be at night because it doesn't follow the rules that it has to be in the day and why it could be Mipik Savam even written because again, it doesn't follow the details that it has to be given live. So a star does not follow the details of testimony. But the Drisha Vechakira, the thorough examination of the testimony, that's not a detail in the testimony. That's the very essence of testimony itself. The whole concept of testimony is that the court examines what the witnesses are saying. So how can a star suspend that detail? Rab Chaim's approach is saying that a star does not require the details of testimony, including the examination. But how does that follow? Without the examination, it's not testimony at all. And a star is testimony. It's just a different track of testimony than live testimony in court. So how does a star get around the issue of Drisha V'chakira when without the examination there is no testimony to begin with?
So Rab Chaim explains that the Gemara in Sanhedrin in Ches, Babakama Tzadi, and Rosh Hashanah Chafvav rules that if someone kills in front of the court themselves, so there are not witnesses who go to court, but the person kills someone in front of the court itself. So the court is able to punish him because of the principle of hearing about something should not be more authoritative than seeing it. Seeing is believing. So if the judges heard about the murder from witnesses, then they would convict the murderer. So certainly if they witnessed the murder themselves, they themselves saw it, then they should punish the murderer. So Rab Chaim asks, but where's the testimony? Even though they saw the murder, there was no testimony about this murder. So there was no examination of what the judges saw, what the date was, what hour of the day, which is the drish of a hakira, the examination. The judges were never examined because if the judges were examined, then at that point they would become witnesses because they've now testified about this crime and the rule is eneid nasadayan, a witness cannot become a judge. So once the judges are treated like witnesses, they would no longer be eligible to be judges. So it's clear in that case where the judges witnessed the murder that they are not examined they do not testify and still they can punish the murderer but what about the missing examination there's no drisha v'chakira so how is this valid testimony so Rab Chaim answers that we see from this halacha that we only require examination when we require testimony so in a case where the witnesses have to testify they also have to be examined but if we don't need a testimony to begin with then we don't require examination as well. So according to this perspective, it's not true, as Rab Chaim was just asking, that the drish of a chakira, the examination, is the essence of the testimony. It's just another detail in the testimony. Now, it's a more fundamental detail. It's more crucial to accepting the testimony, but still, we only require examination if we require testimony. If we don't require testimony, then we don't require examination. That's why the judges don't need to be examined because they don't need to testify because they themselves saw the crime. So the same is true of a star. Since a star is not the classic form of testimony, it's not witnesses coming to court giving their testimony. It's a different track of getting the same information. So we also don't need the drisha v'chakira. We don't need the examination. We see from the case of the judges that there are different tracks of testimony. There's the witnesses testifying. There's where the judges themselves saw it and there's also a star which is its own track so in the tracks that don't require actual testifying we don't require examination and that's why the star suspends all of the details of testimony including the drish of hakira so it doesn't need a date now says rab chaim this concept will also answer another question which was lingering on his analysis of the Gemara in Sanhedrin. The Gemara in Sanhedrin as we saw says that shtare raya a star that's being used as evidence does require drisha v'chakira so it does need to have a date. That's the whole distinction that Rab Chaim made that when the Gemara says a star must have a date it's talking about a star raya as opposed to a star kinyan. And the reason Rab Chaim explained is because that's not a real star. The Rambam holds that a classic star is a star Kenyan. 
But says Rab Chaim, that's all only on a Torah level. Midrabanan, the rabbis said that even a shtar raya is also a valid shtar. As the Gemarin Subis Yodches that Rab Chaim referenced earlier says that even for a shtar raya, we apply the principle of Kamisha Nechkara Idusan Bebezdin. It's as if the testimony was received in court. So we see from the Gemara that the whole concept of what makes something a shtar applies not only to shtar Kenyan, but also to shtar Raya. So that must be Midrabanan according to the Rambam. According to the Rambam, a shtar Raya is only a Drabanan, but still, once the rabbis said that it's a valid shtar, they made it fully like a shtar. So that's why the whole concept of Kamishanachkara Idusan, which according to Rab Chaim is the essential component of a star, that's what makes something into a star, that also applies to star raya midrabanan. So if so, why does it require Drishiva Chakira? Why does it have to have a valid date? Once the rabbis said that a shtar raya is a full shtar, so that means the testimony works in a different way. It's acceptable even in written form. So obviously we don't apply the normal rules of testimony. So why does the Gemara say that it has to have a valid date? It cannot be post-dated because then there's no drishiva chakira. But now that this is a shtar, it doesn't require drishiva chakira. So even an invalid date should still be fine on a shtar raya midrabah. Says Rab Chaim, now that we understand there's a difference between the details, like if it's written or if it's signed at night, versus the Drish of Chakira, which is much more fundamental to the whole essential testimony, so now we can explain the status of a Shtar Durabanan. The rabbis instituted that a Shtar Raya is considered a Shtar, but that's not able to suspend all of the rules. Only a Shtar de Oraisa, which is a Shtar Kinyan, can suspend all of the rules. So not only just me peak Savam, that the testimony can be written, but even the whole Drishiv Chakira is suspended. So that's a Shtar de Oraisa. It does not require any of those details. Whereas the Shtar Durabanan, they only suspended the details like me peak Savam, that the testimony can be written. But the essential component of testimony that it requires Drishiv Chakira, which is the whole essence of testimony, so that the rabbis did not suspend for a shtar drabanan. So a shtar drabanan is somewhere in the middle. On the one hand, it could be written testimony, which is valid even though it's me peak savam, because since this is a shtar, so that's valid testimony, but it can't suspend the whole concept of testimony, so it still requires drishiva chakira. So that's why a shtar raya midrabanan requires a valid date, if not for the fact, like the Gemara explains, that when it comes to financial laws, the rabbis suspended the whole drish of Chakira, which includes the shtar as well. But if not for that overall suspension of drish of Chakira in Dine Mamanos, so then a shtar raya would require a valid date, even though it is a shtar drabanan, because the rabbis did not suspend the essential part of testimony, which is drish of Chakira. But a shtar da oraisa does totally suspend the testimony. It's an entirely different track, and it's not invalidated by Mipik Savam, and not even by a much more fundamental issue if there's no examination. And Rab Chaim brings a proof to this because the Rambam in the eighth chapter of Hilchus Edus rules that if the witnesses forget the testimony, 
So they sign on a star, and then 10 years later, they forget themselves the testimony. So now the star is invalidated. It's only valid so long as the witnesses themselves remember the actual testimony. Says Rab Chaim, we see from this view of the Rambam that even though a star raya is a valid star, but it still requires the essential concept of edos. If the witnesses forget the testimony, so then the star loses its force because it no longer has the concept of edos. So we see that a shtaraya is not totally removed from the testimony track, even though it's written testimony, but it's still a form of testimony. So that fits with Rab Chaim's explanation that a shtaraya, even though the testimony is valid in written form, but it's still on the testimony track, which is why it requires drishav chakira. And Rab Chaim adds that even according to the Ravid who disagrees with the Rambam, and he holds if the witnesses forget their testimony, it's still a valid star. That's only because the star initially was done properly. So even if the witnesses forget the testimony later, there's still a valid star, which when it was originally written and signed was done properly. So the star can carry on without the witnesses. But the Ravid would also agree that if initially the star is missing the concept of testimony, then it's invalid. It won't become invalidated later. But if when it was first written, it was invalid testimony, then even the Ravid agrees that that's an invalid valid star. So that again comes from the Gemara in Sanhedrin, which says that a star raya requires drisha v'chakira, meaning it's not totally removed from the concept of testimony. There are details which are suspended, like me peak savam, but it still requires the track of testimony. So that's why it must include proper testimony in order to be considered a valid star. Now, in the seventh paragraph, Rab Chaim goes through yet another question that his approach answers. Gemara Yevamas Lamed Aleph asks, why is there no date in a shtar kiddushin? So, so far we've dealt with the issue of a date in a shtar kinyan, a shtar raya, the financial shtaros, as well as a get and a shtar shichur, freeing a slave. So now the Gemara asks, why is there no date in a shtar kiddushin? So one of the approaches of the Gemara is mishum delo efshar, because it's not possible to put a valid date on a shtar kiddushin. So the issue is that someone might erase the date, so it's not going to accomplish anything to begin with. So the Gemara says that the wife or the husband could erase it. Then it suggests, why not leave the star with the witnesses who won't erase it. So the Gemara says that also doesn't accomplish anything because if they remember the testimony on their own, so they don't need to consult the star, then let them just come give testimony. There are two valid witnesses who could testify as to what date they got married on. The Elo, now if they forgot what date the wedding was on, as very commonly happens, the witnesses don't remember the exact date. So Zimnin de Chazu Mechtava, sometimes they see the writing on the star, so they consult the star. Va'asu Misahadi, and then based on the date on the star, they'll testify. And the Torah said that the witnesses cannot testify from writing, which includes if they consult something that they wrote in order to give testimony. So let's say the witnesses write down what they see, and then they forget what they saw, and then five years later they consult their writing, and then based on that they give live testimony. So that's also disqualified. The witnesses have to remember on their own and then testify live. 
They cannot write down the testimony and they can't consult something that they wrote in order to give testimony. So that's why a date on a Shtar Kiddushin won't help because if the witnesses consult it, then it's invalid testimony. So the Rishonim ask that this is a Shtar. When it comes to a Shtar, there is no disqualification of Mipik Savam. So what's the Gemara talking about that if the witnesses consult the Shtar Kiddushin, it disqualifies their testimony when we're dealing with a Shtar where the disqualification of Mipik Savam is suspended. So Rab Chaim adds that in fact there is another question in this halacha. The Rambam, when he quotes the halacha in Edus Ches Hey, writes, whether the witness writes their testimony on a shtar, or they write it in a journal with their handwriting, so they know that this writing came from themselves, that so-and-so had me witness such-and-such. So basically they wrote down the testimony and now they're jogging their memory. So the Rambam rules, if he remembers on his own or even if others remind him and then that jogs his own memory. So sometimes someone reminds you of something and then you remember it on your own. So in those cases where the witness has his own memories, then made, he could give the testimony. The imlav, but if he has no memory of it, he's just repeating what he read then he cannot testify. Because that case is comparable to if someone that he trusts told him so and so owes so and so such an amount of money. And then he goes and testifies about this, but he doesn't really know anything about it. He only heard about it from someone else. So you can't go ahead and testify to something that you have no firsthand knowledge about that you just heard from some other witness. That's called an aid me p aid, a witness who heard about it from another witness, and that's invalid testimony. So the Rambam argues that the case of reading the testimony, even if the witness himself wrote it, but since he has no memory of it, so he's just repeating what he wrote, that's the equivalent of giving testimony that he has no firsthand knowledge of. He just heard about it from someone else and he's repeating what that first witness told him. So just like a secondary indirect witness does not work, so too repeating what the witness wrote down also is invalid. Now, Rab Chaim asks, why is the Rambam attributing the issue in this halacha to aid me pi aid, that he's an indirect witness, when the Gemara gave a different problem, that it's me peak savam, he's reciting testimony that he read. So why is the Rambam giving a different explanation for why this testimony is disqualified? So Rab Chaim explains the language of the Rambam using one of his classic approaches, that the Rambam is answering a question that was not dealt with in the Gemara's discussion. So really we need both of these reasons. The Rambam is not contradicting or changing the Gemara's reason. He's adding a second reason and both reasons, the Gemara's Mipik Savam and the Rambam's indirect witness, both work together to disqualify this testimony. 
Because there were really two cases in this halacha. One is where the witness wrote down the testimony in his journal. So that's Ksav Yado. In his own handwriting, he wrote down the testimony. But that's not a shtar. That's just a journal. And then the second one is where he wrote it in a shtar. So in both of those cases, he's disqualified from reciting the testimony that he read, but for different reasons. When he wrote it in a journal, so that's not that's not a star, so it's not testimony. So what he reads in the journal is not aid me p aid. It's not an indirect witness because the first witness, the writing itself is not a witness. So that does not have the disqualification of aid me p aid, but it does have a problem of me peak savam because since he read it in a journal, which is not a valid star, so that testimony is invalidated because of me peak savam. On the other hand, if he reads it in the star, so there's no problem of me peak savam because it's a star. So the disqualification of written testimony is suspended because the star itself is an aid. But now when the witness recites what he read, it's a problem of aid me pi aid. So Mipik Savam explains why the witness can't recite what he read in his journal, and Aid Mipiad explains why he can't recite what he read in his star. So that explains why the Gemara in Yevamos invokes the concept of Mipik Savam, even though it's talking about a star. So there should be no disqualification of Mipik Savam, because the Gemara is saying that there are two aspects to a star. One is that it's written testimony, like any written testimony. So a witness can write down the testimony in a journal. So in the same way, if he writes the testimony in a star, it's considered testimony. Then second is, it's as if the witnesses in the star are speaking in the court. So the Gemara is saying that regardless of how we understand the nature of a star, if the witness reads the testimony and then recites it, it's disqualified. If the star is considered regular testimony, like any written in journal, so then it's an issue of mipik savam. The witness cannot recite testimony that was written down. And if we focus on the second aspect that a star is like the witnesses are testifying directly, so it itself is a form of testimony, so then the witness reciting the testimony is aid me aid, because now he's reciting testimony that he got from another witness. So either way, says the Gemara, this testimony is going to be disqualified. So that explains why the Gemara invokes me peak savam, even though it's discussing a star, because it's trying to say that even even if we focus on the regular aspect of a star, that it's written testimony, it's not real full testimony. So one would think that that helps the situation because it's no longer aid me pi aid, but says the Gemara, there's still an issue of me peak savam. So that also explains why the Rambam mentions the issue of aid me pi aid because he's giving the background context for the Gemara's discussion. The Gemara is assuming that if this is a star, as if the star is speaking, so then the issue is aid me pi aid. 
And on that, the Gemara adds that even if we say it's not speaking testimony, so it's no worse than any written testimony, that's still going to disqualify this witness's testimony because of Mipik Savam. So the Rambam is giving the other side of the Gemara's discussion that if someone says, why is there Mipik Savam when this is a star, so it should not be disqualified because it's written. So the answer is once it's a star, it's Kanishinech Karaydusan Bebez. That's the whole reason why the written testimony is valid. It's because the star itself is testimony. So now the witness reciting what he read in the star is an issue of aid me p aid. So again, this analysis reinforces Rab Chaim's whole approach in this piece that the Rambam holds that Kemishin Nechra Bebezdin, the essence of a star is that it itself is testimony and it does not require the classic form of testimony of witnesses testifying in court. The star itself is a valid form of witnesses. So that's why the disqualification of Mipik Savam does not apply to the case of a star because it's a total different form of testimony. Mipik Savam only applies to the classic form of witnesses giving testimony in court, not to Ashtar. And that's the whole basis of Rab Chaim's explanation for the Gemara in Yevamos, that the Rambam understands that it's saying that if this is a valid star, then there's an issue of aid Mipi aid. There is no problem of Mipik Savam, but there is a different problem of aid Mipi aid. And if it's not a star, so we don't apply Kemishnech Karaydusen Bebezdin, it's just a written document. So then there's a problem of Mipik Savam. But Mipik Savam and the testimony of Ashtar do not coexist. And Rab Chaim throws in at the end, the last line, that this analysis only applies to a valid star, that there are these two elements. On the one hand, it's written testimony. And on the other hand, it's Kemishinech Gereidusen Bebezdin. It's like spoken testimony. But when it comes to Ksavyad, testimony that's written in a journal, so that's obviously not as if it's spoken in the court. So there we don't need both of these reasons to disqualify the testimony that the witness read in his journal. Either of the reasons alone would suffice. There's an issue of Mipik Savam, and there's also an issue of Aid Mipi Aid, but we don't need both of them. Either alone would work. Now, this is a bit surprising because Rab Chaim in this paragraph seemed to imply that in the case of Ksavyad, the only problem is Mipik Savam, not Aid Mipi Aid, because it's not valid testimony. But in the last line, he says that either of these issues would be a valid disqualification for the testimony read in the journal. But when it comes to Ashtar, Rab Chaim's point is that we need both of them in order to disqualify both elements of Ashtar. So again, this proves his overall theory in the Rambam that the issue of Mipik Savam is suspended. It does not apply at all to testimony in Ashtar. Now, in the final paragraph, Rab Chaim turns to the Ramban. So the Ramban disagrees with the Rambam, and he holds that a star raya is a star even mida oraisa. So put in Rab Chaim's terms, this means according to the Ramban, any star, not only a star Kenyan, but even a star raya has the status of kemishinechkara idusan bebezdin. It's as if the witnesses delivered this testimony in court, so it's a valid testimony on a da'oraisa. Raisa level, there's no problem of Mipik Savam. And according to the Ramban, that applies even to evidentiary Shtaros. So now Rab Chaim turns the questions of the Rambam back on the Ramban. 
Because according to the Ramban, when the Gemara in Sanhedrin says that a Shtar Raya has to have a valid date, what that means is even a Deoraisa Shtar requires Drisha V'chakira, a valid examination. So it has to have a proper date. So according to the Rambam, a shtar da'oraisa does not require examination or a date. And the Gemara in Sanhedrin is talking about a shtar raya, which is only drabanan. So it requires a date. But according to the Ramban, a shtar raya is a da'oraisa shtar, and still it requires a date. So now we're back to the problem. Why does a get and a shtar shichur and a shtar kiddushin all of the other shtaros that Rab Chaim discussed in this piece, where the Gemara says that it does not require a date, but according to the Ramban, why not? It doesn't help that they're a Deoraisa shtar, because even a Deoraisa shtar requires drisha v'chakira, and hence a valid date. So why, according to the Ramban, does a get, a shtar kiddushin, and a shtar shichur not require a valid date? So Rab Chaim explains, according to the Ramban, there are two elements to the examination of witnesses. When the Torah said that testimony requires drisha v'chakira, a thorough examination, that teaches two different elements. On the one hand, the witnesses, the testimony has to be examined. And the second is that that examination is part of the essential concept of testimony. It's not that the examination is just one of the details, like whether the testimony was in the day or night, but if the testimony is missing an examination, then it's lacking one of the critical components that makes it testimony. So now, according to the Ramban, when the Torah said that a shtar does not require drisha v'chakira, what that means is that the first component is not necessary. So there does not need to be an examination of the witnesses that are signed on a shtar, which means if they don't put a date, then it's a valid shtar, even though there's no drisha v'chakira, because the testimony of a shtar does not require drisha v'chakira. But the second component of drisha v'chakira, that if If the examination fails, the whole testimony is out the window. That the Torah never suspended, even regarding testimony on a shtar. So if there is a problem with the testimony on the shtar and it can't be examined properly, so they don't need to examine it. But if they examine it and the shtar's testimony fails the examination, so now that poses a problem for the witnesses on the shtar because since part of the testimony is problematic, that's Eidu Shabbat L'Miktsasa Bat L'Kula. Once part of the testimony is disqualified, then the whole thing is disqualified. So since this this testimony of the star was partly disqualified. The whole thing is disqualified. And even furthermore, says Rab Chaim, because the star's testimony failed the examination, and since the examination is a critical component of the testimony, so now this testimony in the star failed the critical component. It doesn't meet the bar for testimony. So now it's thrown out the window. So it's an invalid star. So that's why if there's a post-dated star, it's disqualified, even though it does not require Drisha V'chakira, but that only means if there was no date, so it couldn't be examined, it would still be a valid star. Once there's an incorrect date, so that's now worse, because now the examination fails, so the whole star is disqualified. So that explains how the Ramban understands the difference between the discussion in Sanhedrin versus in Gitin and Yavon. 
Ramos, the reason the Shtar Raya that's post-dated is disqualified is because it has a wrong date. It's a post-date so it's a false date, so it fails the Drisha V'chakira. So that's a problem even for a Shtar Oraisa, As opposed to the case of the Get and the Shtar Kiddushin and the Shtar Shichror, which have no date, so there it's not disqualified because it doesn't need Drisha V'chakira. But according to the Ramban, if those Shtaros, a Get or a Shtar Kiddushin or a Shtar Shichror, any Shtar which has a false date on it is disqualified. So that explains the question of the Gemara in Sanhedrin according to the Ramban that the Gemara asks how can a star which is post-dated be valid since it would fail the Drisha V'chakira and that's a problem even for a star da Oraisa. So the answer is this is Dine Mamanos, it's a financial star and in Dine Mamanos, the rabbis suspended the whole rule of Drisha V'chakira not only that it doesn't need Drisha V'chakira but even if the testimony fails the Drisha V'chakira, it's still valid testimony. So that's why the Shtar Raya with the wrong date is valid because even though it fails Drisha V'chakira, the rabbis said that that works in Dine Mamanos. Now, the Rambam reads the Gemara differently. According to the Rambam, the question was, how can a Shtar Raya with a wrong date be valid when there's no Drisha V'chakira? And the answer is, it doesn't need Drisha V'chakira because it's Dine Mamanos. But according to the Rambam, a post-dated Shtar does not fail Drisha V'chakira because the Rambam doesn't make that distinction that having a false date fails Drisha V'chakira versus having no date is just missing Drisha According to the Rambam, any issue with the date is just missing Drisha V'chakira. So according to the Ramban, the Gemara in Sanhedrin concludes that when it comes to Dine Mamanos, not only does it not require Drisha V'chakira, but even if there's a blatant contradiction within the testimony, so the witnesses fail the Drisha V'chakira, they contradict each other, it's still valid testimony for Dine Mamanos. Whereas the Rambam says no such thing, According to his reading, the Gemara in Sanhedrin concludes that when it comes to Dine Mamanos, the witnesses don't need Drisha V'chakira. But if they fail the examination, so then even for Dine Mamanos, it's disqualified testimony. And in fact, says Rab Chaim, this is a debate between the Ramban and the Rambam. The Balatrumos in Sharchav Tes Chelek Dalid quotes that the view of the Ramban is that even conflicting testimony is valid for Dine Mamanos. So that follows from the way the Ramban interprets the Gemara in Sanhedrin that it asked how is a post-dated get valid when that's conflicting testimony. It fails Drisha V'chakira. And the answer is when it comes to Dine Mamanos, even failing Drisha V'chakira doesn't disqualify the testimony. Whereas the Rambam in Hilchus Eidos Paragimel Halacha Gimel rules that even at the end of the Gemara in Sanhedrin, if the witnesses contradict each other, it disqualifies it even for Dine Mamanos. Only if it's missing Drisha V'chakira is it valid for Dine Mamanos. Not if it actually fails the Drisha V'chakira. So that also follows from the way the Rambam reads the question of the Gemara, that the Gemara is asking since it's post-dated, it's missing Drisha V'chakira. Not that it failed the Drisha V'chakira. So on that, the Gemara answers that when it comes to Dine Mamanos, you don't need Drisha V'chakira. Akira. Now, what about a get and a star kiddushin and a 
Shtar Shichror, where if it's missing a date, it's not a problem. So why does it not need Drishav Chakira? So the answer must be, as Rab Chaim explained in the view of the Rambam, that those are full-fledged Deoraisa Shtaros. And a Shtar Deoraisa has all the rules of testimony suspended, so it does not require any Drishav Chakira, so it doesn't need a date, or even post-dated would be fine. Whereas a Shtar Raya is not a Shtar Deoraisa, it's only Durabanan, so that's why the Drish of Achakira is not suspended, if not for the fact that the rabbis suspended Drish of Achakira when it comes to Dine Mamanos. But theoretically, it does require a valid date. So this last little bit very brilliantly explains how the debate between the Rambam and the Ramban as to whether conflicting testimony is valid for Dine Mamanos ties in with this original debate between them, whether a Shtar Raya is the Oraisa or Drabanan, and it all depends on how they make sense of the Gemara in Sanhedrin and the contradiction between the discussion in Sanhedrin versus the Gemara in Gi'in and Yevamos. So based on how the Rambam and the Ramban interpret the Gemara in Sanhedrin, they end up with another debate about conflicting testimony for Dine Mamanos. So both of those debates are consistent between the Rambam and the Ramban. So this is a very brilliant piece from Rab Chaim. The key conceptual point that he finds in a number of different discussions is that the essential concept of a star is like the Gemara and Ksubis articulates it, it's as if the witnesses testified in court. So it skips over all the other requirements for normal testimony. Normally, the witnesses have to come to court in person, give their testimony live. It can't be at night. But when it comes to a shtar, all those details are suspended because the signing of the shtar is like the witnesses testified directly to what happened. So all of those other rules are suspended. Now, there are debates between the Rambam and the Ramban when exactly to apply that criteria. According to the Rambam, it only applies to a star that's doing something, not a star that's testifying about an event that happened because that's normal testimony. So it does require the normal rules of testimony. And that form of star, according to the Rambam, is only Drabanan. Whereas the Ramban holds that the Torah carves out an exception for any type of star, not only if it's doing something, but even if it's testifying about something, once something becomes a star, it's an exception. All the normal rules of testimony are suspended. And based on that, Rab Chaim explains a number of different areas in the Gemara, particularly focusing on the issue of whether and what type of star requires a date, because the Gemara in Sanhedrin connects that issue with the Drish of Chakira issue. So according to Rab Chaim, that's a good sign as to when something requires the normal rules of testimony or not. So that's Rab Chaim's approach to explain this view of the Rambam. And obviously this discussion gets to the very heart and soul of what the essence of a star in Halacha is. Now, being that this is a very fundamental piece, so there's obviously a lot of discussion, but because of the length of the recording, we're just going to go through some very brief key points. First of all, there is a very big question on Rab Chaim's analysis, because according to the way Rab Chaim interprets the Ramban, so it should follow that a post-dated get 
is disqualified. Because according to the Ramban, post-dating is like a contradiction in the testimony, so it's worse than omitting the date. So it should follow that a post-dated get is disqualified, but that's not the case. A post-dated get is valid. So in the back of the Or Olam edition of Chidusha Ben Chaim Alevi, they quote that Rav Shach and Avi Ezri and Hilchus Gerish and Aleph Chavdalit asks this question, as well as Rav Shmuel Rizovsky and his marginal comments on this piece also raises this issue. And Reb Menachem Man, in his marginal comments, also raises this question. And he tells that he had asked Reb Yona Karpalov, who was one of the great students in the Mir Yeshiva. He was killed very young in the Holocaust. And he asked him this question. And Reb Yona Karpalov had no answer. So this is a big question on Reb Chaim's analysis of the Ramban. Now, a variation of Reb Chaim's overall approach to explaining the Rambam already appears in the Nesivis in Simen Chaf Ches Sifka and Zion, as well as in the Ktsos in Simen Samach Zion Sifkat and Vav. So we'll go through some of the key differences in these different presentations. So the Ktsos in Simen Chaf Ches goes through that there are four different answers in the Rishonim to this overall question. Since testimony Mipik Savam is disqualified, how does a star work? And Rab Chaim mentioned four of the approaches. So the first is Rashi, who holds that since there's Dasa Mishayev, the person who's going to lose out agrees to the star, so that makes it a valid star. Rab Chaim mentioned that. Then there's the approach of the Ramban, that a star is fundamentally different from regular testimony because it's Kemishinech Karei Dusan Bebezdin. So Rab Chaim obviously developed that approach at length. The Rambam holds that a star only works Midra Banan. Now Rab Chaim's whole point in this piece is that the Rambam is really closer to the Ramban than it seems at first glance. The Rambam doesn't mean that all Staros are drabanan. He only means that Shtare Raya are drabanan, but other Staros he agrees with the Ramban that the difference between a Shtar and testimony is that a Shtar is Kemishnech Karaydusim Bebezdin. It's a different form of testimony. And then the fourth approach that the Ktsos mentions that Rab Chaim did not mention is Rabbeinu Tam. He holds that the whole disqualification of Mipik Savam only refers to a witness who cannot give oral testimony. So it's a mute someone who cannot speak, but someone who's able to give oral testimony so they could speak, but they choose to write it is not a problem of mipik savam. So this is something that we sometimes find in halacha that if someone can do something, they don't need to do it. It's only a problem if they can't do it. So that's how Rabbeinu Tam understands this situation. So only a mute cannot write or sign testimony, but someone who could speak could sign on a star. So those are the four major approaches that the Ktsos identifies. And again, one of Rab Chaim's big points in this piece is that the Rambam agrees with more of the Ramban's approach than it seems at first glance. So according to Rab Chaim, the real conceptual approach here is like the Ramban said, that a star is fundamentally different from other testimony based on the line in the Gemara that it's Kamishinech Idusan Bebezdin. So the testimony in a star is a totally different track than regular testimony. Now, the Nesivis in Simen Chav Ches deals with the Ramban's question on the Rambam that how does a get work if shtar is only drabanan? And the Nesivis says a similar distinction
contradiction to Rab Chaim, but he articulates it totally differently. Again, he differentiates between a shtar, which is doing something, like a get or a shtar kiddushin or a shtar kinyan, something that creates a transaction or a divorce or a marriage. So those types of shtaros, even the Rambam agrees, are the oraisa. But the way the Nesivas explains this is based on a very important concept, that when witnesses sign on a get, they're not actually testifying about the divorce because they know nothing about the divorce. They sign on the get and then the husband gives the get to the wife. So once we see that the woman has the get, we know that he must have given it to her, but the witnesses themselves do not know anything about that. So all the witnesses are really testifying to is that they signed on the get. That's the extent of their testimony. It's a very limited testimony. So according to the Nesivas, the Rambam agrees that that form of testimony works even Mida Oraisa because they're not testifying about an incident at all. They're only saying that they signed on the get as opposed to Shtaraya, where they're testifying about something else that happened. So according to the Rambam, that does not work Mida Oraisa because of the issue of Mipik Savam. So that's the way he formulates it. Now, Rab Chaim himself at the beginning of this piece discussed a similar approach. So it's not exactly the same, but there's some strong similarities between the first idea that Rab Chaim discussed and the Nesivas' approach. Now, Rab Chaim questioned this approach because he thinks in order for the signatures to have any validity they do have to be giving some sort of testimony. Just signing on a paper alone is not going to constitute a star. There has to be some testimony to the signature. So Rab Chaim was not sure how that would work according to the Rambam when the witnesses cannot give testimony mida oraisa in written form. So that's what Rab Chaim asked on that. But again, Rab Chaim and the Nesivas formulate this idea differently and it could be that the Nesivas' formulation resolves Rab Chaim's questions. So that's how the Nesivas goes through this idea. Now, the Ktsos and Simon Samach Zayin, Sifkat and Vav, also mentions a similar approach in a different context. So he's not answering the question of the Ramban on the Rambam, but he has perhaps the simplest formulation that when something is a Shtar Kinyan, so the Shtar itself is doing something, there is no problem of Mipik Savam because we don't need it for testimony. The whole point is that the Shtar itself accomplishes something, but it's not testifying about that. So it does not have an issue of Mipik Savam, which is only for testimony. Now, again, Rab Chaim suggests a similar idea, but he doesn't like it because the get not only creates the divorce, but it also serves as evidence. So there are two components to the get. So either way, that's some of the discussion around this. There is more discussion about these issues in the Ktsos and the Nesivis. The Nesivis in Simen Chavches quotes the question of the Pnei Yehoshua, why does a get not need a date on it? And and in Simon Lamid, the Ktsos discusses it as well as the Nesivis, and then the Ktsos responds in the Mishovev. So there's a lot of discussion about this issue, which was a core issue that Rab Chaim discussed. Why does it get not need a date because of Drishiv Chakira? In addition, in Simon Samach Aleph, the Ktsos and the Nesivis, and again in the Mishovev, discuss the whole problem of whether a Shtar Kiddushin requires a date. So there's a lot of discussion in the Ktsos and the Nesivis about the issue of a date on a get and a Shtar Kiddushin. In Simon Lamed and Simon Samach 
Aleph, and those were issues that Rab Chaim discussed in this piece. Now, one final point worth mentioning, Rab Isser Zalman in the Evan Ha'azal, so he asks on Rab Chaim's approach that the Gemara in Kiddushin Chavavam at Aleph quotes the Pasuk in Yirmiyahu where he tells them to go by fields with a star. So the Gemara explains that Yirmiyahu's star is a star raya. The actual transaction doesn't happen with the star, the star is evidence. So Rabbi Sir Zalman asks, according to Rab Chaim's approach, that the Rambam holds all star rayas are drabanan, how could that be when it's mentioned in the Pasuk of Yirmiyahu? So Rabbi Sir Zalman himself points out that obviously there's a difference between the Torah versus the Nevi'im, so Yirmiyahu is not the Torah. A Deoraisa is only things that are in the Torah, whereas something in Yirmiyahu could still be called drabanan, even though it's obviously a very early drabanan, it's what we call Divrei Kabbalah, because it's mentioned in the Nevi'im already. But Rabbi Sir Zalman wonders, once something is mentioned in the Nevi'im, then we don't treat it like a regular drabanan, it has a little bit of a higher status. Now, it's worth mentioning that the Rambam has a very broad definition of drabanan, which includes anything which is not the simple reading of the Torah. So the Rambam calls a lot of things midivrei sofrim, or some sort of rabbinic status, if it's not explicit in the Torah. So that would certainly fit in with this, even though it's mentioned in the Nevi'im, it might still be drabanan according to the Rambam.